Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us on this uh, now cold, started out warm Wednesday. You're listening to Teddy Wilson and Deb Hutton were your guest hosts this afternoon. And right now we are joined by two of our smart speakers. Karen Stintz, former city councillor and TTC chair, now president and CEO of Variety Village. And Bruce Arthur, who is a columnist with the Toronto Star. I want to start with a really uncomfortable topic as a parent, uh, as a kid who was in a classroom with an executive, um, uh, an educational assistant, an EA at many points in her educational career, we have a Toronto Catholic District School Board employee who is, quote, on leave after being charged. He is charged with two counts of luring a child under 16 years of age and one count each of invitation to sexual touching and transmitting sexually explicit material to a person under 16. I understand we operate in this country quite rightly on the principle of uh, innocent until proven guilty, but I have to say the fact that we had an individual until charges were laid an education assistant dealing with many times young children and often vulnerable children in our city schools here in Toronto makes me incredibly uncomfortable. And I just can't believe that he is simply on leave. Maybe that's too harsh, Karen Stintz. Maybe it goes against the principle, I know it does, of innocent until proven guilty. But man, this makes me very uncomfortable as a parent. Well, I hope he's on unpaid leave. I hope he's not on paid leave. And that, I mean, and, and again, I, I think to your point, Deb, like the, they have to let the process play itself out and he hasn't said guilty yet. Um, but I would seriously hope that being, after being charged with this type of offense, that the school board's not paying him to stay home. So it's considered, I think, an administrative leave. So I assume that means paid, but maybe we can check that out. It's an excellent point, Karen, as we go forward. Um, Bruce Arthur, your thoughts on this. My question, by the way, this guy goes by a a series of different names, uh, not just his legal name. I question how we have someone in our system where something like this is not caught. Well, I mean... In this case, it was caught. But the, the when you when you deal with predators, uh, any the where predators look is for weaknesses in systems. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is where's the weakness in the system that this individual was allowed to be put in this in, in this position? Was it background checks? Right. Um, was it was it kids not talking? Was it people looking the other way? Right, like bystander syndrome is a real thing. The other question is how can we strengthen? Uh, our basically our kids, because that's what we're talking about. I'm a parent of four. Um, how do you enable your kids to deal with if something like this were to happen? And that's where you need really, really positive and and kind of far reaching sex education in schools. That's where you need to give kids the language to know that this is wrong. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's where you need to arm kids to be able to trust parents or trust authority figures and tell them that something like this is happening. That to me is the armor that kids need to walk around in because you're gonna get people like this in any major system, no matter what safeguards you put in place. You have to hope and and really ensure that the people who you wanna protect can protect themselves. 
All right, let's switch gears now. We're talking with our smart speakers, Karen Stintz and Bruce Arthur. And to both of you now, an, an interesting day here in Ontario, and that's because as of today, February 28th, in Ontario, there is a ban on athletes and certain other celebrities appearing in gambling ads, so for so-called internet gaming. This ban will apply to active and retired athletes. And then on a bit more of a subjective case-by-case basis, also to other celebrities and role models, including social media influencers and entertainers who it is determined are likely to appeal to minors. So, Karen, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this ban? Yeah, you know, generally speaking, bans are, you know, problematic. But in this case, I can see the logic in it. And, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that you should have athletes um, or, you know, endorsing gambling for sports. I, it's just, it just is not, there's lots of other ways that they can get endorsements and earn money in addition to their salary that they're making as a professional. So I, I do think it's fair to say that it, it, it not only influences kids, it probably influences behavior generally. And I, I just don't think they need to be in that space. And what about for non-athlete celebrities? What do you think, Karen? That's a bit trickier. I'm not going to, I, I think that's a bit trickier because then it, to, to your point, it is highly subjective on who uh, is considered an influencer and, and what are they influencing. But, you know, I have also seen the proliferation of these gambling sites and their marketing everywhere. And it is, it is a little bit it's like you're, we're getting inundated with this. And so, you know, I guess there is a question, you know, where does it, where is the line? And I guess they've chosen this is it. But I, I think to have influencers be included is a little bit of overreach. All right. And, you know, Bruce, obviously this all follows on the legalization of single game sport betting in Canada in 2021, left up to the provinces in terms of how it's regulated. But certainly in the last few years, we've all seen a lot of these ads with a lot of these athletes and celebrities endorsing them. What do you think of this ban today? Well, at the very least, it tells you that when they implemented this, when they unleashed gambling, legal gambling on the Canadian marketplace, they didn't look at England, which has already been through all of this and is now on the other side where they're going, geez, we have to claw gambling back a little bit because it's caused a lot of problems societally. We are going to see those problems societally. The fact that this was not part of the initial framework of, of kind of legalizing gambling in the province, the fact that... Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid went in an ad together about gambling in which Wayne Gretzky doesn't pay attention mm -hmm. to Connor McDavid because he's so interested in gambling. That was an embarrassing moment in Canadian sports history. Mm. Uh, I also am gratified, a small note in this, that there will be no cartoon uh, figures who are going to endorse gambling. So we're not going to get a Joe Camel when it comes to gambling. Mm. But again, or they should have figured this out in the first place. This is bad for people. As much as people are enjoying gambling to a degree, there's going to be a lot of sad stories that are going to come out of this. I'm glad they did this. Yeah, right. And Bruce, Bruce, you mentioned the situation in the UK. There was actually a really great uh, CTV W5 report on what they're uh, what they're dealing with over there. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is none of this was a, was really a. It's not a mystery as to how this will unfold. The exact parameters might be a little bit different, but gambling becomes an addiction if you've ever listened to a podcast that talks about gambling in the united states they then will give you like a 40 second spiel of all the different state gambling problem lines that they have they can call you can call this number in tennessee this number in florida whatever it is um this is not new stuff we know how gambling works and we know how it can be predatory especially to young people 
few weeks ago, we learned that many school boards in the province have moved their April Professional Development Day to April 8th to coincide with the uh, lunar eclipse, solar eclipse, I guess it is, um, and so that kids are not in school. I disagreed with that, but the decision has been taken. We found out today that the uh, Toronto English Catholic Teachers Association have asked to stay at home on that professional day, work from home. Minister Stephen Lecce joined uh, Teddy and I on the rush earlier this afternoon and said, look, I've sent a, a, a notice to directors of education that this isn't appropriate. They should be at school. And and the original safety issue of kids not being able to prevent themselves from looking at the sun is the reason that we're okay with the PD day, myself not, but that the minister is. But my goodness, teachers should be where they're supposed to be on the PD day. Karen. <laughs> I think this whole thing is crazy. <laughs> I really do. I, I was just looking up how long will the solar eclipse last? The total will last only four minutes. Well, in so some four, some places less. In some places less. So yeah. four minutes, you need to work from home the entire day? Like, it, honestly. And, you know, it, it, you know, back to the point that was made earlier. Like, we need to equip our kids to look after themselves and teach them you don't, like, you don't look at a solar eclipse because it can burn your eyes. Okay? Now, let's move on with life. Like, it, it, it just, you can't, you can't continue to pretend that the world doesn't exist without risk. And we, we do ourselves no service by hiding from those risks that are completely manageable and something that we can completely address. Bruce Arthur, we're going to give you time after we take a break for traffic to respond uh, to this issue, if you'd like to do that. You are listening to our smart speakers, Karen Stint, CEO of Variety Village, former councillor and TTC chair, and Bruce Arthur, Toronto Star columnist. When we come back, we will ask Karen and Bruce about the new bylaw that we're looking at here in the city to the city of Hamilton that will crack down on rent evictions. We'll get their take on that. You're listening to The Rush. It's Teddy Wilson and Deb Hutton here with you until 6 o'clock on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Thanks so much for spending some of your Wednesday afternoon with us. It's Teddy Wilson and Deb Hutton. We're your guest hosts this afternoon here until 6 o'clock. And right now we're joined by two smart speakers. Karen Stintz, former city councillor and TTC chair. She's now the president and CEO of Variety Village. And Bruce Arthur, a columnist with the Toronto Star. When we took a break for traffic, Bruce, Karen and I uh, had just started to chat a little bit about the fact that the Toronto English Council Catholic teachers, uh, a subset of the Ontario English Catholic teachers, have asked to work from home on April the 8th. April of the 8th is now a PD day in uh, Toronto as a result of the solar eclipse that's happening and the concerns that younger children in particular couldn't uh, sort of prevent themselves after school from looking up at the solar eclipse and, of course, doing some damage to their eyesight. I disagree with that. I heard Karen say she disagrees. It That decision has been taken. But what do you think about teachers asking to stay home? Surely to goodness, our teachers know enough not to look up. <laughs> well, I will say this. that I have, I have three thoughts on this. The first is that, I mean, you could say that they moved the PD day just from one day to another. So it's not like they added a PD day. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Might inconvenience some, some parents. Not a big deal. The second is, yes, we should, as Karen noted, as you noted, teach children not to look into a solar eclipse. Although when you ask a kid, don't look at that, what do they do? Well, I'm going to tell you, they look at that. But the most important thing here is the biggest lesson. I am gratified that our Catholic school board teachers are teaching the children to fear the mighty sun god because that is what we are doing by moving a PD day for a solar eclipse. 
And should they work from home? <laughs> the sun's still there, damn it. The sun's still there. Fear the Mighty Sun God. Sounds like a good album title, too. I love that, Bruce. I want to ask you both about another story. The Canadian Cancer Society currently calling on Ontario, on the province, to fund take-home cancer drugs. So that's oral cancer meds. And to do so in the same way that they fund cancer medications administered in a hospital through IV. Currently, Ontario, I believe, the only province outside of Atlantic Canada Canada that does not cover these oral cancer meds. So, Karen, I'll start with you. What do you think? Should these be covered provincially? Well, so again, you know, I guess I would, I would want to know first how many people aren't being covered because there right. are insurance programs that cover these individuals. And if it's a small slice of people that can't get Trillium funding or can't get insurance coverage, um, you know, and then, you know, does it make sense to cover them? Probably. But there's a lot I don't know about that and uh, a lot of things I'd want to have answered before I said yes. Yeah, Bruce, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Karen that you need to know a little more, but it, sh- it seems obvious that this would be a yes, if only because if we're talking about what's happening in hospitals at every level, how under strain they are, how short staffed they are, and we're talking about cancer drugs that can be administered at home and which otherwise would have to be administered in the hospital. Why wouldn't you cover them? Why wouldn't you cover them just to get those people out of the hospital? Uh, That would be my inclination. Although I agree, you'd probably want to know a little more about exactly what the situation is here. The fact that almost every other province covers it tells you probably we should too. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good point about, you know, the, the push to get some people who can be out of the hospital, out of the hospital at home. It seems to dovetail with that principle. Exactly. Right. Like uh, right now, there's so many things going wrong in healthcare. There's such a perfect storm that was accelerated by COVID. And it's much more complex than just adding private care. It's much more complex than just adding more doctors. Every single thing we can do to alleviate the pressure on the healthcare system in a way that preserves the healthcare system and strengthens it. That's what we should be focused on. This seems like it might fall into that bucket. So the topic of renovictions, uh, in my mind, is relatively new as a result of the fact that we do have a, a housing shortage, both in ownership and in renting. In this case, the issue deals with renters. And it's the, the struggle between making sure that uh, landlords, in my view, are able to do what they want to do with their property and yet make sure that tenants are not uh, tossed out on the street unnecessarily. Toronto City Council, there's four of them are looking to a bylaw that uh, the city of Hamilton has passed as perhaps a, a way to go here in the city. I, I'm not, Karen, as I said, I, I look for balance on this issue. My, my problem is I don't know what the balance looks like, but I do worry about going city by city and trying to crack down on rent evictions and actually doing something counter to what we're trying to do, which is to protect tenants, because landlords, owners, will just simply say, this is not worth it. The more red tape you mm-hmm. give me, it's not worth it for me to be in the business and you know put that house that's currently an income property and a rental income property for the owner up for sale for ownership. Yeah, 100%. And so, you know, again, with, I, I, I didn't even realize this was a problem until the city councillors wanted to give a solution. And certainly I know it, um, you know, tenants who get displaced because the landlord wants to do a renovation, that's, that's an issue and there needs to be adequate notice. And to your point, you just can't kick someone to the curb. But, you know, the, the city is encouraging homeowners to consider, you know, rental suites 
And if you do that, then you need to be a little bit more flexible on how, you know, if, if you want to have that happen, then you can't impose all these restrictions on people. Bruce Arthur, I think, you know, the, the goals for most people are similar. The question is, how do we get there? I got to tell you, as someone who grew up in Vancouver, which is kind of ground zero for the real estate crisis in the country, we got there before anybody else did. Um, the, rent evictions were an old thing, and they are something that has, it's an old tool. What you do need is you need incentivization for two things. You need more people renting out rental spaces, but you also need more affordable rental spaces for people to rent out. And so I, I think this I think this is probably something that would be to the net benefit if you can also incentivize renters to rent more. Like that's the thing is the, the housing crisis, again, is such a multifaceted, sprawling decades in the making crisis. This is one tiny Band-Aid over a much bigger uh, kind of injury. And so I don't mind it, but I don't think it can stand alone. Yeah, let's switch gears now and end on a lighter note, or maybe not a lighter note, depending on your story. But uh, talking with our smart speakers, Karen Stintz and Bruce Arthur, earlier in the show, Deb told a story about her mother-in-law being late for her wedding. And we got some great caller stories as well about things that they were late for. I want to put it to the two of you. Have you ever been late for an important thing or event? Karen? Well, yes, I was late at the airport to catch a flight to Florida. Oh, no. <laughs> so I didn't get on it. <laughs> That's a shame. It was, during, it was during March break, and finding another flight was a bit of a nightmare. So, yes, regret that. Regret did that you, did you have your kids with you? I did. Oh, I did. Karen, what a bad mom. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> and in the winter, in the winter, too. What about you, Bruce? Ever miss a big event? Ever late for one? Well, going to the 2016 Olympics in Rio, which were one of the most difficult Olympics to fly to in world history, my flight to Miami, where I was connecting, was delayed by a storm, so I arrived in Miami late. I therefore had to stay overnight in Miami, fly the next day to Manaus on the edge of the Amazon, Wow! stay basically the night in the Manaus airport, fly in the middle of the night to Sao Paulo, then right onto a flight that would take me to Rio. It took 42 hours from door to door from my yeah. house to Rio and my luggage was a week later in arriving. Wow. Oh. I got to give you a pass, though, Bruce. That was not you being late. Right. That's the that positive thing. Though. There you go. It does sound terrible. <laughs> but, there, but there was one Toronto flight, another Toronto flight from uh, Toronto to Miami that left at the same time and made it on time. And somehow I was on the wrong of those two flights. And that's how I got beat. <laughs> Karen Stintz, former city councillor, TTC chair, and now the president and CEO of Variety Village. Bruce Arthur, Toronto Star columnist. We thank you both for joining us this afternoon on Smart Speakers. You're listening to Teddy Wilson and Deb Hutton. We're your guest hosts this afternoon on The Rush with you until 6. Coming up after the break, I got a story about Hooters I'm going to share.